You're listening to InsuranceRadio.com. We sit down for personal conversations with the top insurance and financial advisors, executives, and regulators. Listen in to learn more about their ideas and personal stories at InsuranceRadio.com. This podcast has been brought to you by AD Banker & Company. They have been helping those new to the industry to pass their insurance licensing exam since 1979. Find out more about how they can help you license your producers and staff at adbanker.com. Bob Herzog has been the number one commercial agency out of 16,000 producers with his company for the past four years. He's an award-winning agent and a member of the Toppers Club for 32 years, Championship Club for 15 years, and President's Council for 13. He began his agency in Pleasanton, California in 1979, and he's a graduate of San Jose State University. Please listen in while we have a visit with Bob in his Pleasanton, California office. I'm here with uh, Bob Herzog in downtown Pleasanton, California. Welcome, Bob. Uh, thank you to the joining us for our program. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, you've got a really nice community here. I parked out uh, front just down the street. Uh, I was fortunate, noticed, and I was lucky to notice that you got a three-hour free parking. That's a big plus. Uh, and then walked down to a coffee shop before I came. It's a really nice downtown. How, how, how many uh, customers do you have down this main street? Oh, we've got quite a few. We've been in the community now for 35 years, and we've got about um, oh, about 4,500 families insured and about 1,700 businesses in the state insured. So it's it's been a nice it's been a nice um, ride so far. And have you been at this location for that length of time? Or been, been in Pleasanton for uh, 35 years. Been at this location on Main Street for about 15 years. And to kind of give people an idea of what this is like, it looks like something out of the Saturday Evening Post. It's an old time Main Street that has been updated. They widen the sidewalk so there's outdoor dining and things. But we're fortunate is that you can park in front of our building, walk right into the building, and we can walk down the street to anywhere from 15 to 20 restaurants. It's amazing as I travel around the country and you go to communities and what free parking right out front you know, sure. will do for a commercial area. Yeah, it, may, it makes it very easy for the clients to come in and drop a payment off or just drop something off or pick something up with us. Yeah. Well, tell me a little more about, uh, we didn't have a chance to meet before, uh, but tell me a little bit about where you're from. Where did you grow up? I was actually born in New York. We moved out here to California my freshman year in high school. I uh, went to junior college for two years, went to San Jose State for two years, graduated from San Jose State with a degree in recreation administration, which is kind of beat you without a whistle. Uh, Prop 13 was passed um, back in the day, and that was the property tax initiative, so I watched my major kind of go out the door real quick. My dad had just become an agent with farmers a year or two earlier, and I didn't want to sell insurance, so I got into claims for two years. Then I found out what people in claims made and what agents made and decided to become an agent. So I started a scratch agency out of a spare bedroom one night, and it's grown into what it has today. Now, some of it has been by the scratch method with telemarketers and door knocking, and then the last four or five years, we've bought three or four different farmers agencies and combined them into one. Yeah, now when you started your agency, um, I'm sure you started out with a single policy. Tell me, go take me back to your first uh, encounter with uh, the public when you had to, you offered a policy and they, well, and, they, um, and they bought it. I can still remember the first night where, okay, here's the telephone book because you're going back to 1979. So this is before computers. 
I couldn't afford a desk, so I had a two-drawer filing cabinet with two shelf boards with a two-by-four nailed to the wall with a phone book. And I remember opening the phone book, taking my finger and putting it on a name, and I called that name. And the gentleman's last name is Sparrow. And I told him who I was and what I wanted to do. And he said, sure, come on out. I went, God, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and I went out and I sold it. So the first phone call I made, the first appointment I had, I sold it. Now, I didn't realize at the time he was so pissed off at his current carrier that it didn't matter who I was or what the price was, he was moving. But it was my first appointment, my first sale. And I would spend what they'd call dialing for dollars. And when you're doing that back in the early years, you play mind games. That if I got three appointments, I could go downstairs and get something to drink. If I got two appointments, I could go use the bathroom. If I got five appointments, I could go watch TV. But if I didn't have three appointments a night, five nights a week, Monday through Friday, or during the day if I could find a daytime appointment, I didn't get off the phone. And I was very, very fortunate. I had a district manager that we had look in the mirror meetings every Monday morning that we had to post how many phone calls we made, how many appointments we made, how many policies we sold, and how much commission we made that week. And, you know, you had to meet certain levels. When I was in claims, I had to make a decision whether I was going to stay in claims or be an agent. Well, back then in claims, there were no computers, there were no cell phones, so you settled most claims at people's kitchen tables or dealing, if there was an attorney, dealing with the attorney. But there was a lot of evening work because that's when people could see you. Well, I had to go to my district manager and say, look, I can't do this and this at the same time to qualify because there aren't enough hours in the days or nights or in weekends. And he says, all right, tell you what, I will cover two months of your salary, which at that time wasn't a lot. And you've got 60 days to qualify. I said, all right, so how much do I have to sell in 60 days? He says, you need to sell 60 policies. It was actually only 40, but he figured if he told me 40, then I might come in at 30. So he says, I gave you the thing in 60. And to show you how smart I was, the two months I decided to quit and do this was December and January. So right during the holidays. So the day after Thanksgiving, I'm dialing for dollars on the phone all the way through the Christmas holidays. So Thanksgiving I had off, Christmas I had off, and New Year's I had off. Other than that, it was dialing for dollars and begging for appointments and going out and selling insurance. And I think we sold 65 policies in 60 days. So we more than exceeded what the requirement was, but I was hanging by my fingernails on every appointment and every phone call. And knowing what I know now, it probably wasn't the smartest time of the year to try to do this. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're a young guy starting out, uh, you're trying a lot of things. You know, looking back uh, at your early experience, uh, you know, what are some dead ends that maybe you, you headed down or things that you did that you you, you discovered that, uh, oh, oops, I better not go down that direction or that's not going to work? Well, they teach you never judge um, a book by its cover. And there's a book called The Millionaire Next Door that they talk about very successful self-employed people or very successful people that you would never deem because they're not wearing the jacket and tie or the uniform. And you can't, you can never judge an appointment from the outside. 
I remember going in on one appointment where there were a bunch of people handicapping horses at a kitchen table. And I'm going, oh, God, I can't get out of this soon enough. I ended up picking up virtually half the people that were there that night over a two-week period and writing like 25 policies. Three of my largest accounts have come from standing in line at Starbucks and them wearing baseball caps and sweatpants and sweatshirts and not knowing that they own thousands of pieces of real estate. And so the one thing you've learned is that don't judge the book by its cover. Um, gentleman that I met with covered in mud and dirt and everything else, well, he owned 33 duplexes. And the reason he was covered in mud and dirt and muck was he was replacing the sewer line of one of those duplexes. And that's where he could meet me was at the duplex. So I thought he was just digging ditches. No, he owned the whole block. Right. So you kind of learn after a while that throw all your preconceived notions out the door and, you know, before you start making judgment calls on what it is you're actually going to be insuring or talking to the people about, you know, sit down and listen, do more listening than talking. Yeah. Now you've uh, won some awards and, and uh, done ex extremely well in the commercial area. Is that an area that you focused on or is that just kind of how things have involved unfolded? Farmers had a program that they really, you know, farmers all stay AAA. They probably, they write more autos and homes than anybody else does. And for my first, oh, probably 10 or 12 years, I focused on autos and homes. And after a while, you get tired of going out at night and sitting at the kitchen table and two cars, a home, and maybe an umbrella and a life policy. And I went through a divorce in 1989, and I needed to be able to generate more income from my agency quicker and to go through the divorce and actually come out the other end. So I started to get involved in commercial. And I just started talking to my clients about commercial insurance. And then it just took off from there. And we picked up a stationary store chain one time. And back in uh, approximately 1990, the premium on that was about $190,000. And all of a sudden, I got a check in the mail for more than I'd ever made in any one month or even one quarter when you combined it with what our other things were. It was like, wow, and we did this all during the day. So that's where I started to get involved in commercial, hired a telemarketer, and we I would run approximately 600 commercial appointments a year. So I was running 10 to 15 a, a week, and if one broke, I'd carry a book, magazine with me or other paperwork with me to do, and I'd go find some place to have lunch or coffee. And thank God Starbucks came along. And that's what I do. But it was, it was basically volume, is making sure that I had enough appointments in front of me. And then they talk about replacing yourself. I started to hire producers and staff. And, you know, this has grown from just me and a one-room office with no windows to now we have three locations with 21 staff. Mm -hmm. What kind of commercial mix? I mean, it's a, this is not an industrial area. This is a bedroom community. What kind of a commercial mix a portfolio have you been able to do? We have a, a number of restaurants. Farm, I'm a farmer's agent. Um, we have a number of restaurants. Farmers is big in restaurants. Farmers is big in habitational. So we do a lot of apartments, a lot of condominiums. We're kind of spread across the board. I got involved in construction at a, 
very early in my career, so I, I've been very comfortable writing contractors. And we've got contractors from the small painter who's got a one or two man operation to a fire sprinkler contractor that is $20 million a year in revenue. So we're across the board with that. Um, our largest client owns close to 6,000 apartments and met him standing in line at Starbucks one day. Um, we've got food manufacturers insured. Uh, we've got trucking companies insured. So we're kind of spread a little bit. And what's interesting is that you get to find out how they built their businesses and how did they get started and what did they do. And those stories sometimes are more fascinating than writing the insurance. Tell me your, uh, uh, what you do each day. What's a typical day for you here at the agency now? Um, when people ask what I do, I tell them I play whack-a-mole all day long, is that I'm basically a problem solver or I still deal with you know, my book of clients that I developed over the years. But I've got four producers. I'm a large brokerage, but for my size operation, it's pretty good. And I'm making sure that whatever they need, they have. That if they've got quotes in the system, that we're getting those quotes out. If there's missing information, what do we need to do? We write a lot of health insurance. What are we doing as far as on the health insurance standpoint? Obviously, Obamacare has given us some challenges to deal with. Um, claim issues. You know, just service issues. I mean, we've got approximately 12,000 policies in force, so there's always going to be something that's popping up. And you've also got the people that you built the agency with 30 years ago that are now in their 60s, 70s, and 80s that probably need your help more now than they ever did before because they're dealing with, you know, downsizing or the kids are involved in their insurances too, so you're working with that. Um also probably doing more charitable um, work as far as working with different charities and nonprofits, and you'd be surprised the amount of residual business that comes from getting involved in those things too. So even though you're not focusing so much on insurance sales every day, the things that you are doing eventually bring more business back in a different, through a different channel. You know, before we uh, started the recorder and we were visiting uh, just to get a little better acquainted, you mentioned one of the awards uh, banquets that you had attended and uh, where you were receiving recognition for your accomplishments. And uh, But you told me a story uh, there. Uh, would you, you know, relate it to our, our audience? Well, I do a lot of speaking for farmers. And, um, you know, you hear people speak and some the things that bother me when I hear some speakers speak, they, they've never had a bad day. They've never lost a client, never not closed a sale. And everything is always roses. And unfortunately, roses do die on occasion or there is disease or there's water involved. And I've stood up and I've said in speaking to a couple of hundred agents that, you know, there's somebody in the audience that may be going through a divorce. There may be somebody in the audience that's trying to figure out how to make payroll next week. Or they're going to keep their power on, their water on, or their divorce with a single parent full-time. Or they may have some health issues. And I said, if I'm missing anything, please raise your hand. But I said, I have had my power turned off. I've had my water turned off. I've had to pay my mortgage on a credit card. I've had to take out a loan and make payroll. I've um, not known how I was going to 
make ends meet the following month? Have I gotten a letter from Internal Revenue? Yes, I've gotten a letter from Internal Revenue saying we want to talk to you. I said, if you're growing a small business, you're going to go through all this stuff. Very few people ever grow a business where they don't have the ups and downs or the cash flow issues. And all you can do is work through each one of those individually, but focusing on where you're going. And it, it, I've had people come up and say, you know, I, I'm that person. And I said, well, I've gone through it and it sucks, but you'll come out better for it and you'll learn more from it. You'll learn how to budget better. You'll learn how to stay more focused. And the thing is, you just need to find two more appointments or three more sales. And that will take care of it in the future. The uh, Of all the experiences that you've had, do you have any uh, do-overs? If you had to go back and look at things uh, in, your, in your business, uh, are there things that you could pinpoint and say, you know, boy, if I had that to do over, I'd uh, tackle that different next time? My biggest problem over the years has been not delegating enough. Is that not that I don't try to control everything around me, but some my staff does things a lot better than I do is delegating or letting them take it on and do it. And every time I've done that, it's worked out better for me. Um, is that just letting go of the, the, not the daily operation, but giving them a task, telling them what needs to be done or showing them what needs to be done or what the expectations of what needs to be done. And they'll do it, and they'll do it better than you do. And... Um, we have different departments. We have personal lines, we have commercial, we have workers' comp, we have health insurance. And I tell the senior CSRs in those departments that I want you to run these as if they're your business. I want you to take pride as if it's your business. I want you to make decisions as if it's your business. Now, if you run into a problem that you think is above your pay grade or above what you're supposed to be doing, then that's where I need to be brought in on it. At the same time, I want to know if there's if you're smelling smoke, I want to know you're smelling smoke before we see flames. And that seems to have worked out fairly well. Yeah. What's the one thing that maybe excites you the most about the insurance business or, or brings the most satisfaction to you uh, at this stage in your career? Oh, I love to sit down with clients and just hear how they've built their businesses and the referrals that you do get from that. But um, I have a group of clients that I actually have coffee with at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, three or four days a week at Starbucks. And I got them at Starbucks. And one of them used to own an NFL franchise. Um, and we've picked up his insurances over the years. The other one is an extremely successful real estate developer. And we've picked up his insurances. It all came from just waving at each other, standing in line at Starbucks, seeing each other day after day, but not knowing who we were and who they were. And besides clients, they've become friends, uh, business acquaintances. We do travel together on occasion. We do. I do understand the difference between the personal relationship and the business relationship, but the referrals that these guys give are off the charts. And then when they do bring you in, for somebody else's insurance, the person says, well, if you've got his insurance, then that's all I need to know. And it that's fun, but it's also hearing how those guys started. The gentleman with the real estate started at a kitchen table with one night with $500 with him and his wife. The other gentleman came out here from Florida in a U-Haul truck with his pregnant wife on the front seat and a car. 
And then 10 or 15 years later, him and his partners were buying the Seattle Seahawks. Um, or they developed a zip code. I mean, they took a piece of land and developed a zip code. I just opened up a phone book and made phone calls. I can't imagine opening up a phone, developing a zip code. They did. And just hearing those stories or how they got through the processes. Um, one of my largest clients never graduated from high school and is running a $20 million construction company that he built up. You know, it just, everybody's got challenges that they have in, in building businesses. And that's the neatest part is to be able to sit down and talk to these guys, um, have a glass of wine occasionally with them, or, you know, they're not only their friends, but they're, you know, their advisors too, that I've gone to them and said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And they've said, what do you know about that? And I said, nothing. They said, then why would you want to do that? They said, look, we've developed hundreds of millions of dollars in properties, but we don't know anything about insurance. That's why we have you. So why would you think that you could start developing real estate if that's, you've never done that before? Yeah. So it, you know, the advice you get from them, um, it just, it's enjoyable. It's just meeting other farmers agents or other insurance agents around and talking to them too. You always lose, you always learn something new from these people. Interesting. That's that's fascinating. It's uh, uh, thinking back to your mom and dad. Uh, just kind of good, as before we wind up, I just want to ask you a couple personal questions sure. back to your mom and dad. What was some advice that maybe your mother, or your dad gave you uh, as you left the house or uh, for the first time, and and that you find that still resonates today? Well, I'm the oldest of six, so there wasn't a lot of money there. If I wanted, to, if it was determined, I would go to college but you will find a way to pay for college. So I worked 40 hours a week and took 18 units a semester. So school was work and work was kind of the recreation. Now I worked for Sunnyvale Parks and Rec and I worked for JC Penney's and worked for a couple of other companies going through college. So it was, I didn't realize that there was a social atmosphere with college because I was either working or going to school. But my dad had become an agent, a farmer's agent about two years before I graduated from college. And when he told me he was becoming an insurance agent, my, my reaction was, Dad, that's just above used car sales. And he goes, well, you don't understand the opportunity here. And I said, you know, you're probably right. And then when I got out of college, he helped me get a job with claims. And my first job with claims was taking loss reports off a tape machine eight hours a day for $500 a month in 1977. And that's kind of like listening to your answering machine eight hours a day and writing out the messages eight hours a day. And I don't think you can start much lower in this industry. But it was funny you should ask is that my, on Father's Day this year, I gave my dad a card thanking him for the decision he made 40 years ago to be get into the insurance industry, because not only does do I have the agency, my brother works for me doing life and financial sales. My son works for Farmers Corporate down south, and there's probably a pretty good chance that my daughter, who will be starting college next year, um, will probably get involved in the uh, business at some point. Yeah. I was looking on your Facebook page just yesterday, uh, preparing for our meeting today, and I noticed that if you're athletes. You were a fan of uh, Bubba Watson and Tony La Russa. Uh, now, do you golf like Bubba? 
Unfortunately not. But, you know, um, everything in life has perks to it. And I've been fortunate that I've been able to play in a couple of the programs at the Farmers Open and also at the Zurich Open, which owns Farmers. And I've gotten to play with um, Charlie Hoffman. I've gotten to play with Robert Garagos. And I've gotten to play with Ricky Fowler. And there's just nothing more fun than having Ricky Fowler looking for your lost ball in the rough with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it, I've gotten to play some spectacular golf courses over the years based on trips that we've won or mm-hmm. we've been invited to and things. And it's, I enjoy playing golf. It's one of those things that I can walk down a fairway and just decompress completely. Bob? Thank you so much for sitting down with us today at our program and uh, really enjoy the opportunity to hear your story and meet you. Not a problem. Appreciate the opportunity, too. Oh, hi. You're still here. Say, if you are interested in reaching thousands of licensed insurance producers across the country, why not consider sponsoring a guest podcast? If you had sponsored this episode, we would be telling thousands of listeners daily about you and your company. Find our contact information to request prices and availability at insuranceradio.com.